Okay, good evening, everyone. Can you just wave at me so I can know you can hear me? Fantastic, thank you. Um, if you haven't met me, my name's Stuart. I'm the leader of the church. And the first thing I want to say to you is welcome. Thank you for coming to our Sunday Night Live meeting. Secondly, thank you if you've managed to make an effort for Christmas. I hadn't made much of an effort, but this is, you can't see it, but I'm wearing a Christmas t-shirt, but it's unfortunately below the eye line. So I got added, we had a vote on my leadership and this is what they decided I had to wear. So I'm making a Christmas effort. If you're making a Christmas effort, I do appreciate that. Now, what we're going to do today is we're in the second part of our Christmas series and you have a double whammy today. Yes, you're welcome. I am going to be speaking and then halfway through, I'm going to jump out and my wife Melanie is going to jump in and she will be here. And so you get two for the price of one tonight. It was well worth turning up, wasn't it? So we're in the second part. If you missed the first part, go onto our website and catch up. Love came down to the stable. But what we're going to be looking at today is love came down to Bethlehem. Now we're going to be focusing on Bethlehem. And if you know the Christmas story, it's the place where Jesus was born and it's something we sing about um, and all the light and people know about it. Um, and it was where he was born. It was his hometown, it was his birthplace. And um, I don't know if you've thought about your birthplace. Does it, is it something that sort of crossed your minds? I don't know where you live in relation to where you were born. Some of you might live very close to where you were born. Some of you might live a long way from where you were born. In my family, I was thinking about this, my youngest son, Asher, um, he was actually, he lives in his town of his birth. He lives here in Sutton Coalfield. This is where he was born. Actually, the place of his birth, I worked out, is only a two-minute drive from our house. It's less than half a mile down the road uh, to Good Hope Hospital. You could walk there in probably 10 minutes or so um, to the place of his birth. But me and I, family, I'm the other end of the spectrum. I'm a very different story. If I had to get to the place of my birth, um, I would need to go to Birmingham Airport, I would need to get on a plane and according to a website I found, I would have to travel 6,616 miles, which is 10,647 kilometers um, to get there. The, the, the journey itself takes about 24 hours. There's a layover in Dubai where you switch planes and I found a deal. It costs about 699 pounds at Emirates if you want to go in the next week. And I would have to travel to a city of around 2 million people that from 1998 to 2004 was the home of the highest building in the world, tallest building in the world. And that is Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. That's where I was born. So the idea of traveling back to my place of birth um, is something that is quite a big deal for me, although for Ash in my family, it is not much. And we're going to look at the place of Jesus birth today and I want to look at three things. I want to look at getting to Bethlehem, I want to look at the town of Bethlehem and then finally I want to look at the significance of Bethlehem. So the first thing we're going to look at is getting to Bethlehem and that passage that Pete read begins Luke chapter 2 verse couple of verses it says there was a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. They were going to have a census and they everyone had to return to their hometown where they were from. And if you're familiar with the Christmas story, you'll be aware of this, uh, that Mary and Joseph had to travel back uh, to Bethlehem. Uh, but the story doesn't begin in Bethlehem, it begins up in Nazareth where they were living. There's a journey to come. And for those who are familiar with the kind of uh, layout of Israel, from Nazareth, which is right in the north of the country, to Bethlehem, which is right in the south of the country, is about, it's over 70 miles the journey. And you've got to think about Mary and Joseph had to travel that. 
Um, Mary would have been heavily pregnant at the time. The terrain would not have been straightforward like we have today. It would have been up and down. It could be rough and rocky in places. Um, we don't know if they had a donkey. We like to think about it because we sing about it, but actually the Bible doesn't even mention that. They could have traveled all that way on foot. It might have taken multiple days for them to get there. And so it began with a long journey uh, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And this journey, the reason for this journey, uh, Luke says, comes in a couple of parts. There was Caesar Augustus, who was the Roman emperor. He was the ruler of the known world. He was the most powerful man at the time, the head of the superpower of Rome and the Roman Empire. And he decided for whatever reason, doesn't seem to say that he wanted to count people. Historians would tell us it's probably so they could, he could tax them more effectively, which means he could get more money into the government. So if he knew how many people there were, he could make sure he'd get the taxes and know how much money's coming in. So he decides to do that. And the way it was going to work was you had to return to your hometown. And for Joseph, who is Jesus' adopted father, engaged betrothed to Mary he had to return to the town of Bethlehem because that was his hometown that's where his family came from so he had to journey all the way back so you had to take that long journey 70 plus miles and we can look at that and look and almost think that's just unfortunate timing that's really sad you know Mary's got a wife who's kind of pregnant uh, and now you've got to take a long journey but actually Luke adds some historical detail in there but in his gospel as a whole he's He's shown the hand of God at work. So if you just flick back in your Bibles to Luke chapter one, you've had angelic visitations. You've had angels coming to visit Elizabeth to tell them she's going to have a miraculous son because she was old. She shouldn't have kids. Her husband and her were way past that age. We said, you'll get pregnant, you're going to have a son. And that son grows up to be a guy we call John the Baptist, a preacher, a forerunner uh, to Jesus. And he, he visits Mary, the other end of the spectrum. She was young. She was not married. She shouldn't be pregnant because the angel said, God's going to come on you. You're going to be pregnant and you're going to have a son. So we see the sovereign hand of God work through the miraculous, through the spectacular. But in this census, we see the sovereign hand of God working through what we might just call uh, the mundane, the, the kind of just historical events that are happening. And so this is all going on. God's hands at work and he is moving Mary and Joseph from the north in Nazareth, right down to the south in Bethlehem, and love is going to come down in the town of Bethlehem. So that's about them getting there. The second thing is about the town itself, because it says they went uh, they went from Galilee, town of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem itself was a small rural town. It was located about nine kilometers, five miles ish south of Jerusalem and Jerusalem was the capital city, large, urban, um, the place of uh, political power, religious power, because the temple was there. When the festivals happened, the population of the city grew to hundreds of thousands of people as, as Jews came from all over the nation to celebrate the festivals that were held throughout the year. This is the place that you went for. This was the focus of the life of Israel. Jerusalem was the place. And this is why when the wise men came in, as we read out in the Gospel of Matthew, when they were following the star, they didn't go to Bethlehem first. They went to Jerusalem first because that's the obvious place. That's where you go. If there's a new king, you go to Jerusalem because that's where everything's happening. That's the powerhouse. That's the hub. That's the center. But actually, Bethlehem was a town uh, below, south of that. 
on the map and it was a rural town it would have been small compared to Jerusalem relatively speaking insignificant just like many other towns that would have been around uh, the capital city in the hills where there were sheep on the hills being looked after by shepherds they turn up to in the Christmas story and the sheep were probably being raised prepared for sacrifices um, that would have been taking place at Jerusalem in the temple um, and Bethlehem itself was a small rural town and Bethlehem the name means house of bread or house of food it's a place of provision if you read the story of Ruth in the Old Testament you can see that kind of worked out in a beautiful story between Ruth and Boaz and Naomi and everything that's going on there but it was in this town that Joseph and his family had come from and this was the town that he was to return to this was the town he was have to go back to so this begs a question for us what was the significance of Bethlehem why did love have to come down in Bethlehem why did God orchestrate things with miraculous visitations and then using Emperor Augustus head of network to move this couple 70 plus miles from their home to be in Bethlehem for the birth of Jesus so the last thing for us is the significance of Bethlehem. What is the significance of that town? Well, Luke, uh, Luke gives us a clue when he's writing about it. He describes it as the city of David. And he says, Joseph himself, Jesus adopted father, was from the lineage, the line of David. He was a descendant of David. And this means that we've got to ask the question, well, who was this guy, David? Now, David was a man who lived hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus. So the story we're kind of reading into this was ancient history for them, as well as for us. It took, it took place many, many years before they were. And David was many things. He was a mighty warrior. He was an incredible fighter, swordsman, strong, powerful. He famously killed the giant Goliath in that story, David and Goliath. He defeated Israel's enemies in battle time after time after that he led a band of warriors who became his mighty men and they all became valiant in in ways of war and he was a powerful man of battle and uh, leading his army he was also the king of Israel he was actually the greatest king that Israel had ever had he united the whole nation under his rule, there was kind of disparate tribes, all sort of linked by their relationship to Abraham as kind of their father. But he brought them together as one nation under his rule. He brought the Ark of the Covenant, which was the place where the presence of God dwelt in the tabernacle, the great tent they took around the wilderness. He brought that into Jerusalem which became the capital of the nation. He brought that in. So the presence of God itself came into the center of the nation, into the capital of the nation. He was the one who did that. He planned the temple, the great temple that we find in Jerusalem that comes up again and again. And the Gospels are stories of Jesus. And we read about back into our Old Testament that eventually his son Solomon built this magnificent temple. David was the one who, who kind of had it in his heart to do it. And the Lord said, whatever you in your heart, you go do. He planned the temple, prepared it, got all the materials together so his son could build it. So there'll be a place for the people to come and worship God. He was also a poet, a singer, songwriter. He wrote many of the Psalms that we have in our Bible. If you go to the middle of your Bible and kind of just open it, you're probably in the book of Psalms, which is the longest book of our Bible, 150 Psalms. Many, many, many of them are Psalms of David. The most famous one, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, was written by David. He was a man totally 
devoted to the Lord, the God of Israel. Even the Bible described him as a man after God's own heart. And he, in our Bible, he is the most mentioned person in our Bible after Jesus. So after Jesus, the most mentioned person is David, this great king of Israel. And Bethlehem has this kind of small, rural, insignificant town outside the kind of the capital and the hub was his birthplace, his hometown. This is when we first meet him. This is where we meet him in Bethlehem. And that was where he was from. And so when we find this detail in the story, it's more than an interesting historical side note. Um, I like to travel around when Mel and I, we go on holiday, we go to other parts of the country, we take the kids with me and wherever we go, I like to find out a little bit about the towns and the places we are. And they've all got little historical stories. Every place has that. And sometimes they're just interesting stories, but this one is much greater significance. When we read in the Bible, uh, God is saying, look at this, listen to this. And the reason for that is because the Lord made a promise to David. He made a covenant with David, a, an agreement with David. And it went something like this. You can look up in your Bible. If you go to 2 Samuel 7, kind of verses 12 and 13, it would say this. It says, and the Lord said to David, I will raise up your offspring after you. Who shall come for your way and I will establish their kingdom and build a house for my name and I will establish their throne forever. Forever. So God made a covenant with this man, David. This great king of Israel saying, you're going to have offspring. You're going to have a line that's going to go long on after you when you're dead and buried, your children, your children's children, and their children's children, and so on and so forth. Down the generation, your offspring will go. And from that offspring, from that line, there one will come who will sit on your throne, not temporarily like you have as a king because you grow old, you die, you pass the throne on. No, they're going to sit on your throne forever. This person coming was going to be king, but not just a temporary king, but an eternal and everlasting king. And this was the one the Jewish people were looking for. This was the chosen one, the Messiah, the one who was going to come and lead God's people. This was the one who was going to save God's people. This was no ordinary person. This was some ordinary human. It couldn't be because how could an ordinary human sit on a throne forever? It just doesn't work. Like There's got to be something more about this person. There's got to be something special about this, individ this individual. And this was common knowledge amongst the Jewish people at the time. They were waiting for a deliverer and a saviour. There was an expectation that, that he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. We want him to be ready. We want him to lead us. We want him to take us as a nation into all God's purposes. And what's more, they knew where he had come from. They knew he would come from one particular place. And where was that? Bethlehem. How do they know that? It was because the prophets prophesied about Bethlehem. If you go into your Old Testament and find the prophet Micah, it's kind of tucked away at the end in amongst all the, they call the minor prophets because they only have very short books. He prophesies in chapter five of his book. He says that, um, that there will one will come to Israel from Bethlehem, from all the clans of Jesus, it's from the town of Bethlehem. One will come forth, will be the ruler of Israel. He will be the ruler of Israel. And so the prophet Micah spoke about Bethlehem, saying that is the place that Messiah come. And that was common knowledge. And we know that because when the wise men 
came to Jerusalem looking for the king because that's the obvious place to go because that's where kings hang out in capital cities where there are palaces and all, all sorts of stuff. They went there and they spoke to the king Herod and Herod called all the, the priests and the scribes, those who knew their scriptures, and they said, well, where's the king going to come from? And they said, you need to go to Bethlehem. That's where they sent them. You've got to go to Bethlehem. That's the place that if the Messiah is coming, he's going to be there. So Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. That's why love came down to Bethlehem rather than anywhere else. Jesus was God the Son, the long-awaited Messiah, the Savior of his people. Jesus was the one from the line of David who God made a covenant with hundreds and hundreds of years before that would be born in David's city and would sit on his throne forever. Jesus was the fulfillment of the prophecy of Micah that the ruler would arise out of that city, David's city, be a king like him. And although Jesus was from the line of David, he was a greater David. Jesus was a greater David. David fought a giant Goliath that no one else could defeat and he killed him and he vanquished him. Jesus fought the enemy of sin and death that no one could ever defeat and he died on a cross to defeat it, rose from death um, on the third day in his resurrection and defeated sin and death for all time. The enemy that no one could face, Jesus faced and destroyed and vanquished and conquered. Jesus was a greater David who would not just save his people temporarily from their enemies that David had done so many times, he would save his people for all time and forever. Jesus was a greater David. He wouldn't just unite Israel as one ethnic people in one place in history and one place in ge geography. He was someone who would rescue his people from every tribe and every nation and every language and every people group and bring them under his rule in his kingdom and his family and they would be with him forever. Jesus was a greater David whose rule would last for eternity. It could not be cut short by his death because he's risen from the death and he rules and reigns forever. This is why love came down to Bethlehem. I'm going to hand over to Matt. I'm sure it's okay to say this because um, I am Stuart's wife. I'm sure it's okay to say this, but we're so blessed to have Stuart teach us. I know you know that, but we are so blessed. Like every time I hear him run through the story of the Old Testament or the story of the whole Bible, I just think we're so blessed that he reads as much as he does and learns and, and takes as much time as he does on his preaching. Like we're, oh, did you love hearing? I loved hearing. Like I, love, I love going through the Bible and hearing how clever God is and how he weaves his story all through time and and all through loads of different generations and people it's just um, incredible so I'm going to take us through some application I want to talk to us about what it means that Bethlehem is in the story and so you need a pen bit of paper something because I'm going to throw a whole bunch of stuff out there and you might want to write down a couple of things I'm in massive expectation that God will speak to you personally um, God will arrest your heart and God will will tell you some things about what he wants you to do and how he wants you to live so firstly I want to uh, remind us all that what the Bible says is true and so as a book it is well worth reading. 
And so I, I, I want to, we throw that out there all the time. To be honest, we will never grow tired of throwing that out there. That actually this book contains truth. And so reading it daily, getting it into your heart, getting it into your head, getting it into your world, talking about it is, is what you should do with this book. And I, and I was reflecting on it during the week, thinking that actually this book, it clothes me. It literally clothes me with strength. It literally clothes me with righteousness. So if I'm a Christian and I go out having not read this book, I effectively walk out without my clothes but it doesn't just do that this book helps me to see correctly so when I put this book on it makes sure that I see the world around me I see myself I see God I see everything clearly so if you wear glasses you know that it's a disaster for you to go out of the house without them it's a disaster sometimes if you pick up a book or you're trying to see something far away you know the moment you put them on all of a sudden you can see that's what this book does. This book is like a toolbox. So this book is like contained within this book are the things you need for your workplace, for being a mummy, for being a daddy, for being a decent human being, for being a friend, for being a daughter, a son. This book is a toolbox. And if you go out without it, it's effectively like you're turning up to work without your laptop or without your phone or without your your tool belt without your chainsaw without whatever it is you use for work if you go out daily without this book it is like you are turning up minus your clothes minus your glasses and minus your toolbox so i would say to you this christmas time one of the things you can get right is you can start reading your bible daily if you're already reading your Bible daily, you can go deeper into it. The reason that Stuart knows all those things about Bethlehem is because he reads his word. He studies it. He gets into it. So you might say, well, I'm already reading it. I'm all good. Well, maybe you can go deeper. Maybe you can go further. Maybe there's treasures within it that you've not even seen yet. Maybe you could take a course that takes you through God's big story, big picture. Maybe you can start investing in some concordances and maybe you can start investing in some books to help you study. If you're not a Christian and you think to yourself, well, I'm not so sure about this book. When I became a Christian, I knew barely anything about the Bible. Uh, it's partly why I'm so hungry for the Bible, because although I've been saved 20 years, I still feel like I've got loads to learn. And so maybe you're in that place. Maybe you're thinking, I don't know much about the Bible. Well, I would strongly recommend buying one. If you don't want to buy it or if you think I don't know what to buy, message me and I will help you with that. OK, message us through Real Life Church, Facebook, anything. We will spend money on Bibles over and over again. So this book if you get it open, it's brilliant. So if you're new to it, Matthew, Mark, Luke or John, halfway through the book, three quarters of the way through the book, read one of the Gospels over the Christmas time, read it. Do a word search on Bethlehem and track it all the way through the Bible. It's like staggering. Even tonight, my mum read a bit to the boys from Ruth and where her family was from and where she ended up and how it was Bethlehem. The boys were like, 
Bethlehem again. Like it is literally everywhere. It's no accident that his love came down to Bethlehem. And maybe you just need to do a little search and work it out. It literally delights your heart that God is that detailed, that clever, that incredible. It causes you to worship. Like, like I watch my little boys' faces as they're working out. Bethlehem has been tracking through the Bible the whole time, hundreds of years ago. It makes me want to sing. It makes me want to worship him. The second thing I want to say is God does speak over geographical areas. So God has something to say about the places that we dwell and God has set things to say about the places that we dwell. So here in Sutton Coalfield and in the surrounding areas, God has said some stuff to us that is specific to us. It's for us. They are promises that over the years we will see worked out. So he's called us to be large and influential and reproducing. And he hasn't said that to everybody, although he has really, because it is in the Bible. But those specific words he has spoken to us. So he said, real life church in this place, Sutton Coalfield and the surrounding areas, you will be large you will be influential and you will be reproducing. He's spoken to us about strawberry plants. So if you've been around us a bit, you might have heard that we talk about strawberries quite a lot because he said to us that you will be like wild strawberries and you will have a plant and then you will send out runners. So watch this space because we haven't planted anywhere yet, but God did say to us in this place that we would plant down strong where we are and then we would send out runners and those runners would be individual plants themselves where eventually the joining bits would die away and they would be established as their own plant. So you might live in the surrounding areas thinking when is it coming? Trust me when I say it's coming because if God has said it over a place, then it's coming. He's asked us to be good to our community in this place, good to our community. And, and we've done a lot of that, haven't we? We've, we've, we've been out there being good to our community and God has done all the things that he said he would do. But there's way more. There's way more to come. He's asked us if we'll go deeper, he'll build higher. He said that we're to go for more. He said that in his house, we'll find the nations. Well, they're not all here yet, are they? They're not all here yet. He said that this house will be a house that would be turned inside out. So who we are inside will be turned outside so that everyone can experience it and see it. So if you're here tonight and you're a guest, what we're really doing is we're taking our house and we're turning it inside out and we're showing you what our house is like. I hope you love it. I hope you enjoy being a part of us. We love it. And so because we love it, we're, we're turning it inside out. He said in our early days as a church that God would send reinforcements to us. And those reinforcements would have greyer hair and would be slightly older. And then we watched him do it over and over again. And some we've borrowed so there are parents on here who we've borrowed and they've helped us and strengthened us and they've stirred us and they've propelled us forward. Why? Because God said that's what he would do. He would send reinforcements who are older, wiser, greyer hair than ours. 
And then we watched him do it over and over again. And that's what it's like when God speaks over a geographical area. He said, open up the gates and, and allow God to move and work. He said at the start of this year, we tread on new ground with new shoes. Well, we have trodden on new ground with new shoes because I, for one, have not done as much videoing ever in my life. We've all learned how to get on board with Zoom and we've all learned how to how to change and, and go with. We've all learned to do our jobs differently. We've all learned how to do new things. He said you'd be as wide as you are tall, that you'd reach out with this love, that this love that came down would go out. And he spoke that over this place. He said he would shake the heavens and the earth. He said he'd rebuild ruined cities. Do our cities look ruined? Because I look around and I think our cities are looking ruined. Over this place, he said to us, you will rebuild ruined cities. He asked us to be a place where we say, come home. And that's one of the things that we are saying to people. We're saying, come home, come home to God. If you're listening to this on screen and you've been away from God, or you don't know him yet, the invitation is to come home. So come home and be with God. Why? Because in this place, God has said we will do that over and over again. He said to us that there were bones that once lived and will have life again. So those bones that, that once knew Jesus and once were running after him and once were clothed in flesh, that something have, has died inside of them. Maybe church has hurt you. Maybe other Christians have hurt you. Maybe there's been disappointment, but he said those bones will live again. We have spoken over this place loads of things that we can cling on to, that we can run after because God speaks over places. And he might have spoken over your place where you live. You might not even be from Sutton or surrounding areas, but he might have said things. And you might sometimes wonder, when are they ever going to happen? And I feel like God through Bethlehem would say, wait, wait on me, because he's weaving a story together all the time. And sometimes we don't understand the little bits. I bet Ruth didn't know that her little part to play was going to make sure she ended up in the line of Jesus because she had no clue what Ruth was left with was no husband and and all around her probably looked like disaster what she didn't know was a Boaz was in her future what she didn't know was Bethlehem was in her future what she didn't know was Jesus was in her future these are the things we often don't know. Therefore, we have to cling on to what God has said. The next thing I want to say is Jesus will use you in his big story if you move to where he is working and say yes to what he is doing. Mary and Joseph literally physically moved. I firmly believe some of you on this Zoom tonight will physically move. You will physically move house to be in places where God is working. I firmly believe some of you will move in your hearts. So sometimes we move into a place just by dealing with stuff in our hearts. So it's a spiritual moving. It's a, it's, it's a buying into something. Some of you had just started coming to church just before lockdown. 
You're like, is this the right place for me? Is this where I belong? Sometimes a physical move in our hearts means we just go, yes. Sometimes we just buy in to what's going on around us. Sometimes we notice what God is up to in a place and we just think, I need to get myself there. I need to physically get myself there. I need to spiritually get myself there. But if you move to the places where God is working, you will be part of his story. And I know for Mary and Joseph, that move was costly. If your move here has cost you, you are in great company. And you might get to play a part in God's story that is way beyond what you've ever paid. So way beyond what it ever cost you. I don't think you get to outgive the kind of God who brings love down to Bethlehem. I don't think you get to outgive the kind of God who gives his one and only son. So whatever you paid to be where you are, to be in the purposes of God, God will for sure outpay you. God will for sure outgive you. Whatever you think this Christmas time where you think, man, this is costly to me. I moved to an area that's in tier three. My whole family are in tier two. Like, you know, like that costs me. I never, ever get to out give God on it. Never. He'll always come up trumps because I'm weaved into his story because he's out working his purposes all the time because I get to be in the places where he's working, because I get to stand in the things that he's doing. I get caught up in a story that's way bigger than my own. It's way bigger than this Christmas. It's bigger than all my Christmases. His story is, is really what matters. Next one, his timing is absolutely perfect. We say this sometimes as Christians, we go, oh yeah, his time is perfect as long as he does it in two weeks. His time is perfect as long as I get it by the end of the month. His time is perfect when it works for me. Oh, his time is always perfect. His timing is always perfect, but you need to remember that there will be many people that heard the promises of God over Bethlehem that died before they ever saw it. That still makes his timing perfect. Because actually at just the right time, he brought Jesus from heaven to earth. At just the right time, he moved into Bethlehem at just the right time. And in just the right point in history, that there would have been loads of people that had believed him for years and years and years and prayed and fasted and sought him, who never with their own eyes got to see it. That doesn't make his timing off. He's a God who moves perfectly with timing. And I think we have to wrestle with that in a culture that is so instant and we're so used to having everything now. So if I have to wait more than 10 minutes for my chopper walk to arrive, I'm starting to go, what's happening? Where is it? What's going on? If Amazon offer me next day delivery on my prime and then they send me an email saying it's coming the day after I'm like what I, I, I pay for it to be here tomorrow what's going on because we live in a culture like that we have to really wrestle with timing we have to really wrestle with a God who says wait we have to really wrestle with a God who says I'm doing it and I'm doing it in my time 
because our time is like now, 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 now. Everything's so instant. We have to really battle with that. So I want to say to you, if you are hanging on for things in God, have a little reality check and imagine you were living in Old Testament times waiting for a Messiah. Have a little reality check and think, imagine if you've been told that he was coming to Bethlehem through David's line and then you died and never saw it. Have a reality check that often the things and the purposes of God take time. And sometimes you're sowing into something that is for the next generation. So I believe with my whole heart that this nation will be revived again. I literally feel like I will stand in it. So because of that, I behave a certain way. I don't know if I've got to the end of my life and I've not ever physically stood in it. What, 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 that, what that means, what I know is I position myself and I pray and I believe and I walk as if that's my reality. It might be Levi and Asher's reality and I might sow into something that they walk in. Well, I'll still be walking in it. I'd still be walking in revival. I'd do it through them. I do it through the generation to come. And so I want to say to you that if you're hanging on timing wise to things, keep going, keep sowing into it, keep praying into it, keep speaking into it, keep having faith through it, because maybe it's not this generation that walks into it. Maybe it's the next. And maybe your prayers, maybe what you've sown in, maybe that is what takes it that little bit further maybe it's that that brings it that little bit closer I, I often think when I think about standing in a nation that is revived I think it's either me or it's Levi and Asher and if I'm honest I don't mind like if it is the generation to come that gets to walk around this nation seeing like thousands of people come to know Jesus well okay I'll pray that in I'll sow I'll I'll do whatever to see the kingdom of God come like that. So I want to ask you now uh, to just pause and just think, what are you saying to me, God? What are you saying to me about Bethlehem? What are you saying to me about his love coming down? What are you saying to me about the place that I live? What are you saying to me about me? How I position myself, how I'd be like Mary and Joseph and get myself tucked in. And I want you to just jot down anything that you think, I know that I can do this to position myself. You might be not saved and you might not know him yet. You might think what I could do is I could keep on coming to church. I could have a go at reading the Bible. I could take that woman up on her offer and I could get her to choose me one and buy me one. So I'm going to give you just a minute just to jot something down to think, how can I position myself in the place I am to be? And it, you might even write down, I'm moving house, underline it. If you've got a spouse, show it to them. Watch their face, freak out. You might say, actually, my heart needs to move. I need to move my heart in now. I've kind of hung around the edge. I've kind of looked in. I now need to take my heart and move it. I need to pack up a few things, and get on board. Stuart, do you want to come back and join me?
we're going to get a little bit practical. I hope it's okay. We did a few things with real life kids and real life youth this morning, just getting them to pray. And we want to do the same tonight. Not exactly the same. This is where you get to see, maybe you bob a bit. That's yeah. brilliant, Stuart. Maybe you just squat like that. And I will go on tippy toes. There we are. We'll make it work. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to get a little bit practical because I would love us to pray for the place, the physical place where you dwell. And so this might seem weird, but trust me, there were weirder things going on in the Bible and I'm not gonna ask you to do some of the weirdest things. I want you just to touch a wall of your home and I want you to pray. If you're not a Christian and you think, oh my goodness, what are they doing now? Honestly, all we're gonna do is pray for your home to be blessed, for love to come down. So just stretch out a hand and touch a wall, a physical wall with physical brick, and I want you to just pray now. I want you to ask God for his love to come down in your place, in your place where you dwell. I want you to ask for the spirit of God to just be there and be among you. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to give you 30 seconds to do that. Yeah. Lord Jesus, I pray for this place. Pray for your love to come down to this place. For you to fill this place with your spirit, for you to fill this home with your spirit for you to fill it with your love and your grace and your mercy okay if you have a mobile phone i want you to take it out now and just hold it contained within your mobile phone are just loads of people they're, they're all your Facebook friends, they're all your Instagram feeds, they're your contact lists, your diary, it's just full of people. And I want you to pray that love would come down and meet with your people. So where you are, your places of influence, I want you to just pray. So you just need to hold your phone and just simply say, God, if you don't have a mobile phone, well, Praise God, eh? Um, if you don't have a mobile phone, get your address book out. <laughs> Go old school. Get your address file book out. Hold it, your file of facts. Yeah. yeah. Get it out, hold it, and pray over it. And I want you to pray that love would come down and affect the people that you're around all the time. Yeah, yeah Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. I do just want to pray for every person contained within this that you would come down that you would meet with people that you would you would get a hold of people that you would arrest people's hearts that you would um jesus that you would um do something incredible in the lives of people that you would change people's world perspectives thoughts lord jesus lord jesus lord jesus I want to ask you if you know that there's a physical or spiritual move in your future so it's nice because I'm making it physical and spiritual you don't need to freak anyone out by going yeah it's me um, if you know in your heart that you need to move in so you need to move into the place that you are you need to move in or if you know you need to physically move I'm going to ask you just to hold out your hands if you are currently in the process of moving you should hold your hands out to Jesus and cry out to him for your house move okay we're just going to pray I'm going to do it will you just pray yeah I'm going to pray Jesus, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we Jesus. pray you'd come fill us now. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. 
Lord God, and we want to say as your people, we're humble before you. We open our hearts to you, God. And if you are calling us to move, we want to say today we are responding in faith. We're responding in faith to your call. We commit ourselves to you. We commit our future to you. Just like Mary and Joseph did. We commit our journey to you. No matter how long it is, uh, whether there are ups and downs, we don't know what the destination is. Sometimes, Lord, we commit ourselves to you and we say you are good. uh, You are faithful. Uh, to your promises you're faithful to your people uh you love us you are for us and you are good lord jesus amen Amen. and then lastly this is how we're going to finish up find your heart find your heartbeat place your hand on it it's lower than you think it should be so don't worry if you can't feel a heartbeat yet just just root around find your heart and i want you to pray that love would come down into your heart and your life, that when you read the Bible, that when you connect with Jesus, that you'd experience him. So if you don't know him, this is a great time to just hold your heart and go, all right, Jesus, if you're real, show yourself to me. If you know him, pray for him to go deeper, take you further, pray for them more. All right, so we'll give you a minute to do that. Jesus, you do just love our hearts, you do, and I, and I know that you are at work in mine, and I pray for you to go further, I pray for you to go deeper, I pray for more of you, Jesus, Yes, Lord. for more of you, Jesus, more of you in my life as I read the word, more of you, my Jesus, more of you, more of you. Jesus. Amen. Amen. We have loved being with you tonight. I hope um the crane combo has been all right for you. I'm going to pass back to Jeremy.